0: Today's sermon is our last in our series on the Holy Spirit. I'm a little bit disappointed. Uh, I've really enjoyed this, and certainly we have not exhausted all of the topics as we've been discussing various roles of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But today we're going to talk about the Spirit as our prayer partner, and today's sermon is especially for those who struggle to pray. You found seasons in your life where you had a hard time praying, maybe ongoingly. And I won't ask for a show of hands because I'm pretty sure that it's most of us, if not all of us. We find it hard to pray. For this sermon is for those who don't always know what to pray for or how to pray. Or maybe you struggle to understand God's will as you pray about things. It's for those who may even struggle at times to believe that God hears our prayers or that He cares or who get too distracted, or discouraged, or tired, or busy. This sermon is for those who try to pray and fall asleep. Again, I won't ask for a show of hands. But I love this story in the New Testament. The disciples, I love to read about the people in the Bible as they display their humanity. Jesus was in his final hours on the earth, and he was going to pray, and he asked his disciples to to pray for him as well. And when Jesus comes back, Matthew 26, it says he returned and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, and the answer is, no, Jesus, we couldn't. And the truth is, that's our answer as well. No, Jesus, we can't, we struggle, it's hard. And Jesus says to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So according to the New Testament, Praying regularly and consistently and fervently with and for other believers should be just normal Christian life. And yet I find in my own life, and I find in so many Christians around me, that the struggle to pray is real. It's hard to pray consistently. And so this sermon is for those of you who get discouraged, who struggle. You want to pray, or maybe you struggle with even wanting to pray. It's for you and it's for me. So a couple of years ago, we wrote seven new Kirk values. And uh, it was about five years ago. And we knew that some of these were things that were true of us. So we were coached that your values should be things that when people come in from the outside, they quickly notice is true of you. They're your values. You reflect them. So we began writing them. And then we realized that there were some things that we wanted to value that maybe weren't as true of us yet. And so we call those aspirational values. We know that they're important. We want them to be true of us, but yet we're still aspiring to them. And if I'm honest, when we wrote these five years ago, we knew that being prayer saturated was one of those values that we needed to aspire to grow in. And I believe by the grace of God that we're getting there. We're not there yet, but I think it's something that we are focused on. We want to become prayer-saturated people and we want to become a prayer-saturated focus because we believe that prayer matters. We believe that prayer makes a difference. We believe that there is a God in heaven who hears our prayers and who responds in His goodness and mercy and grace and in His sovereign will, who has the power to change things and to show up and to transform lives. And so we pray. And yet, it takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes focus. To struggle. So, this morning, as we uh, dip our feet, just dip our toes into the book of Romans here in a few verses, we find that in this section of Romans, Paul is encouraging believers that their future glory gives them strength to face hard things today, that there are promises for believers for disciples of Jesus, that we will experience in the future. And yet in the midst of this promise of future glory, he says, but I also haven't left you here with nothing. I give you resources. I give you my Holy Spirit. This is what we've been talking about the last nine weeks. And so as we think about the benefits of being a follower of Jesus, certainly the best of those is yet to come. And yet there are benefits today. And we have the Holy Spirit who is our helper and our encourager. The one who bears fruit and gives us power. And today we'll see the one who comes alongside of us as our prayer partner. And so in verse 26, he says, In the same way, meaning in the same way that this future hope sustains us, the Spirit also comes to our aid and our help, comes alongside of us and helps us bear this burden imposed upon us due to our weakness, because prayer is a struggle. It's hard. This language is used in the New Testament. It is a battle. It takes effort. They talk about wrestling in prayer for other believers. So what is this weakness here in verse 26 as it relates to prayer? It's a pretty broad term. And and, and some of what it means is unpacked for us in these verses. First of all, we don't know how to pray at times. Anybody out there? Sometimes you're just... You're not sure how to pray or what to pray or what to even ask specifically. We don't always know God's will, verse 27. We don't. We, we want to pray according to his will, and we're told that if we ask according to his will, he'll give it to us, but we don't always understand his will perfectly. In fact, sometimes we ask for things that aren't what is best for us. On top of that, within the context of Romans 8, we understand that there are external sufferings and troubling circumstances that can make it hard to pray. Now, those very things can cause us to turn towards God and to go deeper in prayer, but that's not automatic. That's not a guarantee. One of my pastors from the past would often say, and he was a man who'd been through many hard things, he would say that hard circumstances make us bitter or they make us better we have to choose to turn to the Lord in them. Or they can cause us to turn away and to become bitter. And so our sufferings and our, trouble, our troubles can cause us to struggle in prayer. And finally, this idea of weakness, this term really, it, it can mean even so broadly as simply the human condition. The fact that we struggle because we're just weak. We're finite. We're limited. We're human beings. We get discouraged. We get distracted. We intend to do things and we get tired and we fall asleep. We're weak. And so Paul is saying that our failure to know God's will and therefore our inability to effectively petition God specifically is met by the Holy Spirit. We are met in that weakness. And God the Spirit takes those petitions before the throne of God and helps translate or match them up with God's perfect will. And so when we don't know what to pray for, or when we even pray for things that are not best for us, we don't have to be discouraged or lose hope. We can depend on God's spirit to make perfect intercession on our behalf. And to intercede just simply means to pray on behalf of another. And so Doug Moo, a scholar out of Wheaton, he writes this, our inability to pray as precisely as we would like is no hindrance to the working out of God's perfect will in our lives. Isn't that good news, friends? Our inability, our weakness does not hinder the work of God in our lives. And that's because of this promise that we have a prayer partner one who prays on our behalf, who prays with us, who helps us in our prayers, who helps us in our weakness, who guides us, who reminds us of truth that we ought to pray, who reminds us of the wisdom that we need in situations. And I know it feels like an infomercial, but this is really a two for one here, guys. It's not just one prayer partner, but we actually have two because Paul will go on in this very chapter to tell us in Romans 8, verses 34, verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This same truth is promised in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So let's, let's get this straight, guys. Okay. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is praying for you right now and god the son jesus christ the word made flesh is praying for you right now that is mind blowing that is incredible i don't understand how all that works but that is amazing and that is incredibly truth it is tr- truthful it is super encouraging And this ministry of intercession of the Spirit and of Jesus should encourage us to pray all the more. But here's how it works in our humanity. We take good things and sometimes we twist them and we distort them. And so the easy way to distort this truth would be to say, okay, if Jesus is praying for me and the Holy Spirit is praying for me and they're doing a better job than I am, then I don't need to pray. Right? I'm good. I'm covered. So that's great. Thank you for sharing that truth with us today, Pastor. I'm just going to bank on that truth. And be really glad. But no, notice I've titled this prayer partner. Yes, they are there to pray. They're praying in even when we are weak and even when we can't pray and even when we don't know how to pray. But it is a prayer ministry to come alongside of us because God, the father tells us that he wants us to pray. Because it's good for us. Because it's not just about getting things from Him. It's about a relationship. It's about a connection. It's about a connecting to the very source of life and power. It's about knowing God, understanding His will better. It's not about getting God to understand what we need, but it's about us translating our desires. And as we pray, we begin to understand God's will more as He changes our heart and shapes our desires. We don't change God in prayer. He changes us. We need to pray because it is good for us, because we were created for it. And so may this truth not lead us to spiritual apathy of saying, oh, okay, well, if that, that's good. But may it encourage us all the more to say, okay, now I know that I can pray and I can seek Him and I can be honest with God. I can pour out my heart's desires to Him and I can trust that the Holy Spirit in Christ are pay, praying more perfectly for me. And that they will translate that in such a way that verse 28, which is what many people are more familiar with, Romans 8:28, that somehow through all of that prayer and through the intercession of the Spirit and of Jesus, God is going to, in all things, make all things work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's the context of that promise. That as we pray, the, the perfect will of God is being translated for us. And that he's working in all of those things. He's working them together. Should encourage us to pray all the more. Now this verse naturally generates a little bit of discussion. Because there's this interesting phrase in here uh, about these uh, wordless groans. What's, uh, what's that all about? And What does that mean? And there have been various views on this may or may not have heard different theories, but one of them is that this uh, groaning here is equated with the gift of tongues and that it is what some people call a prayer language. I've heard this before, uh, this groaning of the Spirit. I don't think that's what Paul has in mind here. I do believe in the gift of tongues and of interpretation. I believe that all the gifts are still alive today because I don't think Scripture tells us that they've gone away, but I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here is the gift of tongues. Because the gift of tongues, Paul even says, is for some, not for all. Whereas this instruction here is for all believers. this encouragement for all believers in Romans 8. And because the gift of tongues is something that we initiate, right, a language that is spoken by people, but the groaning here is generated by the Spirit. It's the Spirit is the one that is groaning here. So what's happening? I think the best way to understand this is that this is an internal... Groaning, a longing, an inexpressible idea that the Holy Spirit is praying within us. And it's not in a way that we can understand it and comprehend it with our human mind. This groaning and longing and this power within us of the Spirit is not something that our intellect can understand. It's an internal ministry in our hearts that we don't even realize is happening. I think it's even more powerful when we understand it. Different translations will translate it differently. I think in the NIV it says wordless. Uh, some, the ESV says, cannot be put into words. It is an internal experience for the believer and not one that we can hear and understand with our minds. So we see that the Spirit here has a superpower. Superpower. We all know people with superpowers. People who can operate on less sleep, you're a, that's a superpower. I can't do that. Right? Our preschool teachers can take care of 12 two-year-olds at the same time. That's a superpower. Like, I can't get... You guys know people. They have superpower. Well, the Spirit has a superpower here that we're told about, and that is that while we don't always know what to pray for and we don't always understand the will of God, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. and that should make sense because the spirit is god, right? <laughs> They're working together. Which is why it's cool. And again, I don't know how all this works, but it's cool that we have the spirit and Jesus both interceding for us on our behalf. I don't I don't know any other way to put this any more plain. God is praying for you. <laughs> like it's crazy. Not an excuse to avoid the hard work of seeking to know and understand God's will. We want to pray according to God's will. We want to know what his will is. But we also have to accept that we're weak. We won't always get it right. I think Paul's point here is that we should pray according to God's will as best we can. But if God's decreed will differs from our prayers, the Spirit will translate and will correct our prayers to line up with God's will. So even... If to us it seems that our requests are being denied or not answered in God's sovereign plan, they will be answered his way, his timing, according to his plan. Let me offer an example to you from history. So one of my favorite theologians is Augustine of Hippo. In North Africa, he was a very important Christian leader, still is, uh, to the global church, wrote a lot of uh, foundational theology for what would become Protestantism. And uh, Augustine, though, when he was a young man, he was a mess. He was not a follower of Jesus. He made a lot of bad decisions. He records this in his confessions that he wrote. And in in his writing, he shares with us that his mother, Monica, she was a very godly woman. And she prayed for young Augustine, that he would come to faith and that he would know Jesus. And at some point, uh, as he sort of become of age, he decided he wanted to move to Italy and his mother did not want him to move. She thought that he would be further led astray and further away from the Lord and from the church. And so she told him not to go. And she prayed that he would not go. So, of course, what did he do? He went. Yeah. Now, what she did not know in God's sovereign mercy is that it was there when he was living there that God drew him into a relationship with him. And brought people into his life. And when he surrendered and became a believer. It was during that time. And so in a way. right? His mother was praying as she should. And she prayed as best as she knew how. And she was praying. And the underlying desire of her heart. Was that her son would know Jesus. And in this particular situation. She prayed what she believed was the right thing. Was that he wouldn't go. And yet God took those prayers and met the underlying prayer in that he came to salvation, even though he didn't technically answer her prayer, that he wouldn't go to Italy. And this is where we see what Tim Keller has, has said so clearly, that God gives us what we would have asked for if we knew what he knows, right? And that's what God did for Monica. He answered her prayer, giving her what was really The best, And I think we can all think of situations like that in our lives. We pray. We don't always know what's best. We can still pray and we can ask God specifically for things. But also know that sometimes He doesn't give us that because there's something different or the timing is different. So we can pray with clarity. We can pray with boldness. We can pray with specificity. That's a hard word to say. We can pray specifically. But also like Jesus, we have to say, but God, not my will but yours be done. That's hard, and that takes maturity. 1 John 5, verses 14 to 15. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. You believe that? You believe that if you ask anything, if you ask anything, and if it's according to His will, He is going to give it to you. And some things he won't. We have to trust that his way is right and best. And the struggle is that sometimes in the short run or even in the long run, we don't really know at times when we pray for something. We don't know if the answer is no. We don't know if the answer is not yet. Maybe it seems that God hasn't answered it, so we might assume the answer is not yet, but it might not be a not yet. It might be a no. It might be that he's answered the prayer in a, in a different way and we haven't realized it yet. And there are some things with time, and you guys have heard me say this before, there are some things with time that we'll look back on with perspective and we'll say, oh, okay, I see what was happening there and I understand why God did that. And there will be other things that we will, will never see this side of heaven. We won't understand them. We won't see what God's will is or what he was doing there or why he allowed a certain thing to happen. And when we get to heaven, we'll either get answers or it won't matter by then. And that's frustrating. But that's part of the weakness of the human experience. We don't know everything. And so, friends, we know this truth. God knows your heart. He hears your prayers. He hears them. Maybe you're in a season of frustration. You don't don't feel like he's hearing you. He's hearing you. He hears your prayers. He is working for you. And the Spirit and Jesus are also praying at the same time for you, which is ultimately, in the long run, absolutely for our good, for God's glory. So I want to share just a few kind of practical uh, suggestions this morning as we think about how to live a prayer-saturated life, um, some wisdom um, just from various books that I've read and my own struggle and, and experience with prayer. If you feel stuck in prayer and you're wanting to grow in prayer, one thing is to pray with others. We learn how to pray from other people. We learn by practicing. and So it's good to pray with other people who, who model for us the postures of prayer, the language of prayer, what that looks like. Invite people into your life who pray regularly with effectiveness. But there are other ways to pray with others, even without being physically present with them. So, for example, if you're in a group, in a small group or a Bible study or something, everybody, if you share prayer requests, and even if you pray for them together as a group, but then you, you go about your week, if you're praying regularly for those things, then you're continuing to pray with others, even if not in the same room at the same time. You're praying with them. There are also, uh, even kind of feels like the opposite direction, but there are pre-written prayers that have been recorded by other people. A book that I've used uh, in the past is um, Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers, beautiful prayers. That's praying with others. Because not only are you praying a prayer that other people who have that book and are being guided by that tradition are praying, but you're praying a prayer that someone else has written and prayed. So that's a way to pray with others. Second advice I have is gather some fuel. And that is, there are things that help spark our, our prayer lives in a conversation with God the obvious one would be scripture that reading scripture can be a way to lead us into prayer uh, Psalms can be great guides of, for our prayers um, But reading scripture can often prompt us and get us going in the right direction For a conversation with God also good uh, scripture-based worship music Can be a way to prepare our hearts and to get us warmed up or not even warmed up But it's really can be a way of praying through music. And uh, music can can touch our hearts in a way sometimes that just the written word does not. And so that can be a way to fuel our prayer conversations. The third challenge I have for you is develop some kind of rhythm. Maybe it's a set time that you pray. I know people like to pray when they're in the car on their commute. My commute's only about eight minutes on a good day, so that would be a short one for me. But for some people I know that's a that's an important practice for them. But setting some kind of time or a certain place. Maybe there's a place where you pray. And that's helpful to have that. It's the idea of a prayer closet. Maybe it's literally a closet. I don't know. Whatever. It's your home. It's your prayer practice. But but maybe it's helpful to have a set place to develop A rhythm, maybe environmental triggers. It could be a scripture or something that's posted, or like uh, I have a a cross in my office that's made out of stained glass that somebody made for me. And it's a visual cue. There may be environmental triggers that, that remind you to pray, to connect with God. It could be set forms like the ACTS acronym or others that you use, but develop a rhythm. Fourthly, to keep it fresh. We all get stuck in ruts. I know you get stuck in prayer ruts. For me, it it just seems like, and this is just confession, it feels like either engaging with Scripture and reading the Bible regularly or prayer. It feels like one or the other I'm usually doing better at, and it's like I can't get them both sinking at the same time often. It's just just a struggle for me. But keep it fresh if you get in a rut. For me, a lot of you guys don't like to go to the gym. That's fine. I'm a strange person. I love uh, lifting weights. But if I go in and I do the same routine every time, after I do that about six or seven times, eventually I find that I go in and I leave and I'm like, I'm not even sore. Did I even do anything? And if I change my routine up a little bit, I walk out and I'm just so sore. And it's because you got to keep it fresh. You have to change that up. And it can be true in, in your prayer life. So maybe you're a list person in your prayers. Try praying without a list. Or maybe you've never prayed with a list. So try that as a guiding thing for you. Maybe you've never tried journaling or writing your prayers or dictating your prayers into your phone and sending them to people. I know a pastor that does that often. To keep it fresh. And finally, keep it simple. Start somewhere. If you're not praying at all, start somewhere. Three minutes, five minutes. Just try to establish a practice of prayer Take where you're at and challenge yourself to grow. Maybe you're comfortable praying by yourself, but you're not comfortable praying with other people. So challenge yourself. Ask God to give you the courage to pray with other people, to pray out loud in group settings. Start somewhere. Maybe that's not where you're comfortable, but God can give you the strength to do that. Keep it simple. Finally, I want to set you up for a little prayer challenge. So we have a new prayer deacon Aaron Cohern, and uh, he and I were meeting, and he had this idea uh, to just put out a simple 30-day prayer challenge to the congregation. We've been doing our Bible reading challenge. You know, many people struggle to read their Bible, so we've just, we just put that out there. And he said, let's just add another little layer, not a heavy burden. We're not going to put a lot of stipulations on it or anything. We're just going to say, let's just pick a month, and let's just encourage people to pray every day, even if it's just a little bit, to pray for 30 days. So we're going to do that in April during Easter. That's coming up, so you'll hear a little bit more about that. I just want to encourage you um, to pray. Because again, we believe that prayer matters. It changes us, it shapes us. We must learn to pray. It's the gift that God has given us that we have the ear of the King of Heaven. We must learn to pray. It will be so good. For us it will make us more truly human It will ground us in the midst of a world that is always changing and always shifting Our lives as prayer saturated people will be rich and full Will you join me as we pray about this? Father we thank you That you are a God who hears us Who has demonstrated yourself to be personal and to be present to your people. You have given us access to yourself, the final and full access coming through your Son, Jesus Christ. And not only do you, do you give us the opportunity to pray to you, but you are praying with us through your Spirit and your Son, Jesus. You are coming alongside of us. And as we pray, we connect with you and we have communion with you and fellowship with you as the very source of life and all that we need. So God, make us into a people that pray. God, prompt our hearts, teach us to pray, grow us in our prayer lives. That we would be better for it. God, I pray that we would experience the joy of prayer. Help it not to be a burden. God, help us as we struggle. Would you infuse life into our prayers, that it would be life-giving and life-connecting through the power and presence and ministry of your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for your Spirit that you have given us. May these truths that we have looked at together continue to resonate in our hearts and shape our lives and lift our eyes to see you for who you are, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We worship you today.